Well, once again, good morning to everyone and a very warm welcome to our City Builders online service. It is great to have you with us this morning. Uh, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for today, uh, this amazing time on planet Earth. And Father, I just thank you for your church, uh, your people, your sons and daughters. And Father, we thank you for your plans and purposes. This morning, Father, I pray that you would help us to align our hearts with you in everything that we say and do. Father, we thank you that your word never returns void and will bring uh, what is meant to be accomplished in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Amen. This morning I'm talking about making the foundations sure. Uh, in my time with the Lord earlier this week, uh, I asked him, what do you want me to tell the people? And it was a very strong impression at the start of the week, and I've been thinking about it all week. Uh, he said to me that uh, to tell the people to make the foundations more sure. This generation that we are part of, this generation that is on the earth, is a very, uh, very critical generation. There is a spiritual war going on in the hearts of this generation. There is a real battle going on for the hearts and for the minds and for the attention. Even during this time of shutdown, I believe this is a time where we have a real opportunity to come back and to look at uh, the foundations of our faith and to rebuild. It is a time to really rebuild our relationship with Christ. It is time to really get to know him again. And it is time to check, you know, and do a self-audit on where we are at because these are amazing days. And this generation is such an important generation. The generation that birthed Christ came under an incredible assault from Herod with an assignment on every male child under the age of two that would be destroyed. And it shows how, how, how uh, our adversary, the devil, wants to go about to take a generation out before Christ can become manifested in that generation. History's greatest occurrence was the appearance of Jesus Christ on the earth over 2,000 years ago. The kingdom of God became real on the earth in such an incredible way that it had never happened before. And right now, this generation, there are very similar resemblances because I see that generation of uh, infants under the age of two was taken out. And in this generation, the biggest killer in the Western world is the termination of the unborn. I tell you, the reason this, this has happened is because Christ is going to come forth in this generation and through this generation. You know, uh, as, as I look around the world and I look around our city, uh, I, there are many, many young people and wandering aimlessly and uh, uh, I guess trying to find their reason for living. And you can't really find that reason until you connect with the God of heaven. And, uh, you know, I believe that one of the reasons that there is such an assault on this generation, it is that so that Romans chapter 8 will not become a reality. See, what we are seeing around the earth now is what I would call the birth pangs and what Paul called in Romans chapter 8 the birth pangs. These are just the groanings because the whole of the earth is waiting for something. You know, 2,000 years ago, all the prophetic signposts were uh, turning or pointing towards an event. 
And the scripture says that in the uh, timing of God, in the set time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. But I want you to know that the greatest things are going to happen in the future. I've been talking about the church of the living God and how God is going to use his church uh, powerfully and uh, uh, dynamically in the last days, in this coming generation. What God is about ready to do will be far greater. It is possible that in this next 10 to 20 years that more people could come to Christ in that 20 years than have over the last 2,000 years. Anything is possible for those that believe. See, we can look at the circumstances around about us and we can allow it to shut us down. But God it believes in his church. God sent Jesus. You know, God sent Jesus to pave the way for the church. God sent Jesus to destroy the work of the enemy. God sent Jesus to be the forerunner for us. And now what he started, God is raising up this generation to, to finish. And it is an incredible time in life. But this morning, I believe the Lord is wanting to say to his church, make the foundations sure. So I'm talking about the foundations of our faith. And the foundations of our faith is what is built on the inside. And the days are demanding that the foundations of faith must be strong. They must be accurate and they must be precise. The foundations of our faith. The foundations of our faith are the core values that are held deeply on the inside of our hearts. The foundations of our faith are the unshakable and not negotiable truths that we, Christians, sons and daughters of God, believers, disciples, must build our lives on. I'll say it again, they are the unshakable and not negotiable truths. The messages over the last couple of weeks have been about the spirit of truth. And we need the spirit of truth so that we can stay in the way of truth. And this is a vital ingredient to the, uh, to the foundations of our life. And the Lord is once again saying this morning, you know, through me to you, I believe, make sure in these days that you build the foundations of your life well. Make sure that the foundations are made more sure. So the foundations of our faith have not been fashioned by education alone or culture alone or information that we have gained, but rather the faith that we have comes out of a genuine encounter of who Christ is. It is like Christ has become revealed to his church and now we have determined that we are going to follow Christ. And that is the base of our faith. That is what we believe. These are the foundations of faith that must be acknowledged and worked on continually. Do you know we recently, as I've mentioned over the, the last couple of months, God, uh, you know, released us into these stables. We're able to purchase the stables and we're able to renovate them uh, from basically stables that were falling down to being the beautiful premises in the heart of Gippsland that they are now. And the, the building will sit six to seven hundred people comfortably. And it's just amazing what's happened here. 
Uh, and we had a lot of work to do. We had a lot of work with the roof, a new roof, new walls, new bathrooms, new stage. But do you know what? The biggest work was getting the foundations right. We had to completely redig and rebuild and, uh, and correct the foundations. Because you see, when you're building or when you're restoring, if you don't deal properly with the foundations, it's going to create problems later on. And it was a challenging workload for us all, but we got there in the end. And I believe it is a picture of how we need to build our lives in this time. If we are going to, uh, you know, uh, build our lives to last, then it needs to be built in a certain way. And we've got to look at the foundations. We've got to secure the foundations. The foundations must be sufficient to last for generations. The foundations must be secure so they don't move. And the foundations must be accurate so that the rest of the building can be built on the foundations. The foundations of our faith must be well established in our lives and continually revisited. This is a really important time in our life to reassess and to look at where we're at and where we're wanting to go in the future. You know, I believe that potentially uh, we are in a very exciting and powerful time for the church in the city, the region, but also in the nation. But the foundations need to be made more sure. I want to read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21 this morning. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honour and glory when such a voice came to him from the ex excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now what is happening here, the Apostle Peter is talking about an event that happened in the Scriptures where Jesus took Peter, James and John up to the mountain. It says, you know, after six days. And I think this is really interesting. You know, this is sort of, once again, a little sign in the Scriptures, you know, that there's 4,000 years of Old Testament, uh, you know, history as far as dealings with mankind. And there's 2,000 years in the New Testament, that is 6,000 years. And, uh, you know, the Scripture here is saying, after six days... The scripture also says that a, uh, you know, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So there is a, a, a connection there. And I believe that in a sense we are entering into uh, you know, the, the seventh day, if you like. And it's sort of like one of those little prophetic signs you know, that is pointing towards the future. And here, Jesus has taken them to the mount and, mountain and there is a transfiguration that happens before the eyes of the disciples and it puts something on the inside of them it imparts something on the inside of them it is part of the foundation that is Christ is building on the inside of these men because he is going to use them as the foundation that he is going to build the church on in the future years to come when we talk about faith or anything that is really born of God, particularly the church, we know that the foundations will be challenged. 
because we have an adversary who from the beginning has tried to take the place of God. Right from the very beginning when we read in the scripture in Isaiah how Lucifer began to raise up his heart against God and he wanted to take over the place in the, in the, in the throne. He wanted to rise himself up above God in the throne. Do you know what? This is a major truth that helps us to understand demonic energy on the earth today. That when God builds something, our adversary, the devil, wants to come and destroy it. So things that are precious to God and born of God, you will find that our adversary, the devil, principalities and powers... And the rulers of this present darkness will be opposed to what is born of God. You know, on the earth, God has established one, the nation of Israel. The attack has continually come against the nation of Israel because Israel represents the people of God. The second thing that God has instituted on the earth is the church of the living God. And the devil wants to shut it down. But as we've read over the weeks and as we've talked about over the weeks in the past, Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I want you to know this morning that God is irrefutably, undeniably, and according to the prophetic words written in the scripture, building his church. He is building his church right here. He is building his church in this city. He is building his church in this region. And he is building his church in the nation. And to him be glory in the church in this generation forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. God is doing something. And he is building his, his church. But we are like co-laborers and we have a great opportunity this morning to co-labor with Jesus to build the church that he laid his life down for but the point is is that when God builds something whether it be a nation whether it be the church whether it be a marriage or a family you know that attack is going to come against you know I believe that the family is God's basic unit of governance on the earth and the enemy is coming against it. He's trying to devalue marriage. He's trying to devalue uh, family. He's trying to devalue uh, purity in the children. He is really going after this generation. So we need to build the foundation. We need to make sure that the foundation on the inside is made strong, secure, precise. And that is really the heart of the message this morning. Um, I want you to know today that we are living in what the scripture calls the day. So I want to give you a little bit of perspective about living in the day. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 that, uh, I'll just go there, excuse me, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse uh, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated to us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed and with pure water. Let us hold fast uh, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this, is, this part's really important. And let us consider one another uh, in order to stir up love and good works. It means, you know, encourage one another, cheer one another on in the work that he has called us to do. Not forsaking the assembling together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, uh, when we talk about the day, the day is really interesting. It's mentioned through the scriptures. And when the Bible talks about in the day or the day of the Lord or the day of the Lord's vengeance, it means something is going on. The day of the Lord is referring to the day that the Lord intervenes in the affairs of men. So the day of the Lord is when God brings discipline on the nations. The day of the Lord is when God brings a shaking on the earth because he's bringing the nations back. But also God, the day of the Lord, is when God intervenes into the affairs of men. For instance, when Jesus came into the earth, that was a day of great blessing. An era of great blessing began. And now, although things are going wrong on the earth, God is raising up his people for the day. And, you know, I want you to know that you have been born for such a time as this. This church has been raised up for just such a time as this. There is a generation on the earth that is coming forth for this day. And it's a great day if you are connected to the kingdom of God. You know, uh, it really is a, a quite a thing because we are living in a time of what I would call incredible shaking. And in Hebrew chapter 12, verse 25, you know, once again, I'm not saying that God is responsible for this, but God is using this opportunity to call his church back to himself, to call his people back to himself. It's really, really very, very important. Paul's apostolic work in the church was to prepare the church for the day of the Lord, for what God wanted to do in each generation. And what he wanted to do is lay a, a, a foundation that went from generation to generation, and that needs to be our heart this morning. So we're doing a check on the foundations because we believe that God is at work in his church and is building his church. Now listen to this. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. We've spent a lot of uh, this year in the book of Ephesians. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. This is the word of God speaking right to us this morning. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus, him Christ, him, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the, in the spirit. 
So we need to know that as we, as the church of the living God, as Jesus builds his church in each part of the world where, where he's choosing to build, you know, there is a locality of the local church, but there is also a regional uh, you know, manifestation of the church, and there is even a global manifestation of the church. But here it's talking about the foundation. The, uh, the foundations being the apostles and the prophets. Now, the apostles are those that are sent to build, and the prophets are those that are sent with insight and foresight from the Lord that work together with the apostles to build the house. And these are very important ministries on the earth. But there is a foundation that far outweighs the importance of apostles and prophets, and that is the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the foundation of what we're building here. You know, that work that went into our foundation, I said it was like the primary work. Everything else was easy after we got that done. But do you know what? The chief cornerstone is the person, Jesus Christ himself. He was God incarnate. He was the, you know, uh, God lived in him. In fact, in the scripture of uh, Colossians, it says, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, when you looked at the person, Jesus Christ, walking the earth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwelt in him bodily. This is amazing. The next scripture, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 to 13. For we are God's fellow workers. Once again, that is you and me. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now, Paul is talking about his own apostolic role here. He said, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. You know, in other words, if the house is built with the right material, it can withstand the elements. If the house is built on a sure foundation, it'll, it'll stand strong winds, strong floods. Uh, this is how God wants us to build our lives in him. Now, here is the challenge this morning to every Christian, to every believer, to every pastor, to every church. This is the challenge. What you have and what you are building on must be strong enough to pass to the generation that follows and the generation after that and the generation after that and the generation after that. We need to make sure that the foundations of our life are real and strong. You know, as a leader of a church, as an under-shepherd, I often think of this 
Am I working with people to build the foundation strong enough to endure the day and to endure for generations to come? Not only in the church, but in my life, I'm checking the foundations regularly. Sometimes I look at people and I know that God loves them. I am sure that God loves you. He loves me. Uh, some people are very easy to love. Others are not that easy to love in a human sense. But every one of us, even the most unlovely people, you know, who may see themselves as unlovely and unworthy, I want to say to you this morning that God loves you with a great love. But I also... Uh, you know, with, with a lot of people, I know that they really love our church and love one another, but I do ask often and from time to time, what are they really believing in their heart? How strong is the foundation of their life? Is their testimony real and is it personal? The point, the foundations are critically important and have in past generations in previous times, been undermined. I've been around for a while. I've been a, a wholehearted follower of Jesus for 41 years. And during that time, I've met a lot of people. I've visited a lot of churches. I've observed from a distance. I've seen lots of things. And I could say, you know, figuratively speaking, I've seen it all. I know of many believers and even solid churches that have drifted and uh, been uh, smashed on the wayside. And that is not God's intentions for them. I've seen people start out in truth and end up in error because there was something wrong in the foundation. And that is why this morning I'm calling the church, I'm calling every son, every daughter, every believer to come back and make sure that the foundations of your own life uh, you know, firstly, your own life, that they are sure and they are built the way that they should be because the day is going to declare it and we are entering the day. I am sure that everybody during their lifetime who is alive in 2020 will, rec uh, will uh, remember this year. It'll be like indelibly etched in their mind. This is a day of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord is turning up and visiting our church. This is the day that God is making himself real again. This is the day that God is calling his church back into the upper room. You know, but I've seen this thing happen. I've seen believers, uh, you know, uh, uh, negotiate on certain truths. And I've seen things begin to change around their life. I've seen uh, pastors who have laid an apostolic foundation and just the next generation have messed it up. Just this week, when I was doing my research, I was read how a prophet came in and spoke very accurately into the life of a church to secure its future. And then there was a discussion, a paper about whether God really speaks to his church in that way today. I mean, that is a very inaccurate response. And we need, when God speaks, you know, whether it through, through, uh, uh, you know, through a, a pastor, a prophet, a teacher, we need to really check that and, and ask, is God speaking to me? And if he is, we need to work with that word and build on that word because this becomes part of the foundation. This is part of our story. 
I really hate it when I see people ripped off, when I see them deceived, when I see them drawn aside and enticed. And this is what our adversary, the devil, seeks to do with, his, with, with God's people. We must always remember we are one decision, uh, just one decision away from moving away from the absolutes. And this is why we need the spirit of truth. You know, uh, having been a pastor for quite a while, I've felt people pressure and there is cultural pressure and there is all sorts of pressure that comes against a pastor. But every one of our people, as they go to the workplace, to the education place, you know, wherever they go, there is, to schools, there is people pressure. There is cultural pressure, particularly on our young people now. The humanistic pressure and the worldliness is just coming at them and demanding that they bow. You know, just recently we saw the Black Lives Movement, uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and I want to say this categor categorically this morning, that black lives matter imperatively to God. Every life matter to God. But you know, what happened is their pressure to bow, pressure to conform, pressure to do what everyone else is doing. I tell you what, we need to have the foundations of faith built so strong in our life that we feel free to serve God without you know, fear of, uh, of, of being shaken. And, you know, this is where God is bringing us. But when there is this consistent pressure that comes against people, it can weaken and cause the foundation in their life to shift. And there are movements. These are movements that con can compromise our foundations. You know, it is almost a predictable cycle that man can be going well and in your heart, without even knowing, you can begin to drift. And I really believe that during this time, that in this shake that has happened globally is also the grace of God. The grace of God is really there to really come back to Jesus, to really, uh, you know, repent and to really just come back to him and to really have a, a, you know, a fresh encounter with him. So I see this, yes, as a time of great challenge. And I also believe that the greatest challenges will be ahead following this. But I also believe this is a time of great opportunity to make sure that our life is built well. So it's almost, uh, you know, predictable that this happens. And in Psalm 100 and, uh, sorry, 11, verse 3 to 4, it says, When the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The Lord is in his temple, and the Lord's throne is in heaven. And I really believe right there is that when the foundations are being undermined, when the foundations are being overthrown, God is telling us exactly what we need to do, that we need to return to the temple. And, and not just to go to the building, but we need to realize that the church that is connected with heaven, you know, that is an experience that we're going to have that God begins to turn us around and bring us right back to where we're meant to be. In Isaiah 59, I just wanted to raise this issue because, you see, God wants to build the foundation so strong in me that it's going to affect my children. God wants to make the foundation of my life so strong 
that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will be bragging about me. Do you know what? I tell you what, I brag about my spiritual father. And I also brag about my earthly father because he laid a foundation in my life. It wasn't perfect. But do you know what? It is right to do this because we need to have something from God that is so strong that it'll go from generation to generation and from generation to generation so that somebody far, far off says that somewhere back there somebody broke through in Gippsland. Somebody bought the kingdom of God. Somebody opened the way so something could really happen in that region. And you know, this is how we need to think of our lives. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 8. This is the importance of the foundation. I read last week from uh, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 43, uh, and it talks about how we build our lives. One man builds his life on the rock. Another life, a man builds his hand, house on the sand. And when the floods came, when the streams beat vehemently against the house, that house fell and great was its fall. Now, one of the real key, uh, you know, words in that passage of Scripture, which you can, you can check later on today, is it says, when the floods came. It didn't say, if the floods came. When the floods came. Say that after me, when the floods came. And here in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19 it says this, when the enemy comes in like a flood, there it is again. When the enemy comes in like a flood, it's not if, because he is always trying to invade into areas that have been established for God and by God and by his people. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. This is the internal work of the Spirit on the inside of the people of God that causes them to rise and say, that's enough. In verse 20 it says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from the transgression in Jacob. Uh, Zion once again is talking about the church that God is building in this day. Verse 21, as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my Spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from out of your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants descendants says the Lord from this time and forevermore in other words we can get a grip in dark times when the enemy has come in like a flood we can get a grip of God in such a way that the word that he gives us will go from generation to generation to generation to generation this is how I'm thinking this morning the next little scripture I wanted to talk to you about is Acts chapter uh, four, uh, 2 verse 40 and it talks about uh, the you know, the time when the church was birthed in the upper room by the Holy Spirit. And it says this in Acts chapter 2.40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those words are very relative today. You know, we are living in a generation that is 
perverse and taking on more perversity. You know, the further you drift from the foundations, at the start it's just a drift that you're hard to see it, but at the end of its cycle, it is like the nation has come to a point and people have come to a point where they must begin to shout out to God and ask him and say, God, save me from the perversity of of this generation. Verse 41, then those who gladly received the word were baptised. And that day about 3,000 were added to them. And this next point is really important, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is the building of the foundation of the church. This this is the apostles who had an an encounter, uh, you know, with Jesus on the mountain in the Gospel of John. And this is uh, John chapter 8, I believe it is. And this is a time where, um, you know, uh, the disciples had had an encounter with God in the upper room with the birthing of church. But now the apostles are laying the foundation and they are gathering regularly, you know, and, and uh, continuing, their fellowship continues steadfastly, say that word, steadfastly, fellowshipping together, praying, but gathering around the apostles' doctrine. Now I tell you what, the apostles' doctrine is the foundation on which we build our lives. The foundation that we build our lives is on the, uh, you know, the doctrine and the ministry of apostles and prophets, remembering that the chief cornerstone is none other than Jesus Christ. I really believe in these days it's very important that we begin to gather around and connect. If we want to be accurate, if we want to build well, we need to be with apostles and prophets who are accurate and are precise and have demonstrated that. This morning I want to give you some thoughts on revisiting the foundations. And uh, in all these points there are two critical words. One, relationship, and two, two, revelation. So firstly, revelation, then relationship. So number one this morning, we need a clear revelation of Christ and a relationship with him. You know, if you, you cannot have a, uh, a real relationship with Christ unless you have a clear revelation. And there's a couple of things that you need. You need a revelation of the person of Christ. You know, and, and it, it comes to that thing where you've got to know Christ. You know, it's not good enough if I know Christ. You know, that's good for me, but you have got to come to that point personally where you know who Christ is. You know, as I said before, you know, you need a revelation. And uh, Jesus, he in him dwelt the fullness of Godhead bodily. He walked the earth, but people looked at the outside. They didn't really all the time see who that was on the inside. But when you were looking at the person of Jesus during his earth walk, you were seeing a manifestation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, he was not just a man. He was God in the flesh. 
He was what you could call an incarnation where the God of heaven comes down onto the earth and takes human flesh and walks on the earth amongst men. So we need a clear revelation of the Christ. You know, when uh, Dr. Jonathan David opened the building here, he said one of the things that's going to happen in the future is there's going to be a much clearer, fresher revelation of Christ. And it pricked my ears. And I think this environment that we have, uh, you know, found ourselves in is the perfect environment to come back and really revisit you know, the person of Christ and ask God for a fresh revelation. A fresh revelation of Christ. When we have a fresh revelation of Christ, we'll be able to have a real relationship with Christ. And this can be a problem, you know, because we can go through the motions. We can be brought up in church. We can be told about Jesus Christ. We hear the stories, but we have not come to a place where he has become real to us. And I want you to know this morning that you, your yesterday's revelation of Jesus Christ is not what you need today. You know, when Lynn and myself got married, we both looked different. You know, we both looked different. And 41 years of life changes the way that you look. But do you know what? If you want a real relationship with a person, it's not what happened 41 years ago. It is what is happening each day. And this is our relationship with Christ. This is our seeking after Christ, the person of Christ. And, you know, we need to know also about the finished work of Christ. We need to know why he came onto this earth. He came onto this earth to deal with sin. He came onto this earth to manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. He came onto this earth to destroy the work of the evil one. So we need to know. You know, and when Jesus... Uh, you know, finally gave up his spirit in John chapter 19, verse 30. He said these most powerful words. He said, it is finished. You know, it is finished. Now, if you could just read through the scriptures, you might think, well, what does that mean? Is it the end of his life? Is it the end of an era? Well, it sort of is. But more than that, it is the beginning of something new and something powerful. And this is where we need to understand the finished work of Christ on the earth. Because what he did is he fulfilled every requirement of the old covenant. And it says in Romans chapter 8 that Jesus fulfilled the just requirement of the law. And, you know, if we fulfill the just requirement of the law, you know, through Jesus, now we can begin to walk in the Spirit. Now we can begin to live in the Spirit. Now we can become true sons and daughters of God. Remarkable. We need to know about the ongoing work of Christ from the throne. The Scripture says that that we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. You know, at the right hand of the Father, he is there. Jesus is there with the Father. And, and, you know, he has a ministry from the throne. And the scripture says now that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. You know, sometimes we've got so much fear and intimidation on the inside of us, but God wants us to come. And, uh, you know, as we transact with Jesus daily, as we pursue relationship with him, Something very powerful is happening. Something is being formed on the inside. 
because you see, now Christ is being revealed on the inside of me. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, he was a revelation of Christ. You know, Peter said, you know, who, who, uh, you are the Christ. You are the Son. You are the living God. You are the Christ. And now the same Christ, the same Spirit, the same dimension, the same likeness is being formed on the inside of you. I tell you, this is amazing. So, you know, we really need to revisit, uh, you know, the person of Christ and understand that he walked on the earth. You know, he, uh, he was God in the flesh. And now, you know, we have a, uh, like a, a, a divine nature on the inside of it. It's the life of Christ. It's the spirit of Christ. And, you know, Christ is being formed on the inside of me. I think this is an amazing thing. You see, you know, I want to say to every true believer, true follower, true disciple, you are no ordinary person. Amen. Christ is being formed on the inside of you. Uh, number two, we need a clear revelation of the Word of God and we need a relationship with it. Okay, we need a clear revelation of the Word of God and a revelation with it. I think, uh, you know, this is also a challenge for our long, younger generation because, you know, uh, when I was raised, we all brought the Bible to church. You know, it was there. This is what we call, you know, our sword. This is, uh, you know, part of our weaponry. And uh, here we need a relationship with the Word. And, you know, when you're in church on Sundays now and everybody's got their Bible on their... Um, you know, on their, uh, their iPhone, on their device. And then you go home and you check the Facebook post, uh, 10.30, 11 o'clock, 11.15. I go, hang on, I was preaching then. You naughty people. Amen. I mean, the point is this morning, we've got to make sure that we're not shortchanging God and that we have a relationship with the Word of God. You know, the Scripture says that in the beginning, the Word was with God. In the beginning, the Word was God. You know, we can't separate God from His Word. So this morning, we need a relationship with the Word of God. We need to be into His Word. Let me tell you about the Word for a minute. John 8, 13, it says, If you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples. John 8, 13. If you abide in my Word, if you have a relationship with my Word, abide means you live with it. You come together, you cling to. A couple of thoughts about the Word. We have the written Word. This morning, this is the Logos. It's the, it's the written Word. Um, you know, it's in the Bible. It is the Word of God. It is inspired of God, but it's written down. And, uh, you know, then we have the living Word. I love this scripture. Next memory verse for our uh, younger people, Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the Word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. You know, this is the Word of God as we read it, as we take it into our life. And as the Word, the written Word, becomes joined with our spirit, it becomes the living Word. And it comes out of my mouth 
And not just like words that are written on paper, but there is a force in it because it is now the living word. You know, the Old Testament um, word is daba, and it is like the latent force that is hidden on the inside of the word that brings the word to fulfillment. You know, it's when we join our human spirit with the spirit of God, with the word that was written by God, we can push that word out and it begins to change the atmosphere. This is the living God, the living word rather. Thirdly, we have the preceding word. The gospel says man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that is written in here proceeds from the mouth of God. But do you know what? When the word comes onto the inside of us, or when it comes onto the inside of you and you begin to speak the word, that is the preceding word. That is the now word. That is the prophetic word that is made more sure, which, which the scripture is talking about. You know, you see, you can become, uh, you know, a tremendously uh, powerful and dynamic person in Christ when you begin to realize the power of the word and what it's meant to do on the inside of you. But see, people just check a verse on the, on, the, on the tablet. Just, you know, spend a moment in the word of God before they nod off to sleep. But rather, you know, we need to take the word into us, not only into our mind, but into our spirit. Because the word of God can become like a force on the inside of us that can move mountains. So the preceding word. Number thirdly this morning, we need a clear revelation of the Holy Spirit and a, revel and a relationship with him. Oh man, we had a great Pentecost this season, this year, because our church has been called back to the upper room. And almost every day of this year, most of our church people, along with some other churches in the region, have been gathering together uh, in what we call the upper room. It's a morning prayer. We are gathering there, figuratively speaking, and we are building our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, the truth is, God is in the heaven, and Jesus is ascended into heaven. But following his ascension into heaven, the church gathered in the upper room, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, pour out your spirit on the church. And the great Holy Spirit was poured into that upper room, and the church was birthed. Do you know what? If the church lets the Holy Spirit go, it is no longer church. And that's what's happened right across the nation. You know, we've replaced the Holy Spirit with entertainment, with programs, with clever strategies. But we've made the, the, that the priority. And God is saying, I want my church back. I want you back. And, and, you know, in this season, I tell you, in these next few months, in this season that we're in, we need to prioritize the Holy Spirit. I want to say it again, there is no church without the Holy Spirit. I told the story of how I visited a little church while traveling to Sydney, and I spoke to the, uh, the, the curator there, and he told me the exciting history uh, but then, you know, in the 70s onwards, the people began to depart from the church. And now just a handful of oldies, faithful oldies in that church. 
And uh, I said to the Lord as I drove away, what went wrong? And the Holy Spirit, I believe, spoke to me and he said, I left. They let me go. I left long before the people did. And this is what has happened to church. See, the Holy Spirit must be restored to the church. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional feeling. The Holy Spirit is not just an anointing. The Holy Spirit is not here to make your ministry or my ministry better. The Holy Spirit is God himself, the third person of the Trinity. He is none other than the great God who created heaven in partnership with the Father and the Son. We need a revelation of the Holy Spirit in this season and we need a relationship with him. Amen? And he has given gifts to the church so that we can relate to him in the right way. I want to say it again, there is no church without the Holy Spirit. We can have something that's called church, looks like church, you know, has all the ceremony of church, has all the things that church do, but it's not church until the Holy Spirit is there. This is where we need to return to the upper room. We need to find God again. We need to find the great Holy Spirit again, the one who empowers the church. Amen. He is the fuel in the church. He is the power in the church. Amen. And it's just remarkable. This Holy Spirit is real. This Holy Spirit is just as real as I am or you are. You know, we can't see him, but he dwells on the inside of you. He dwelled on the inside of Jesus, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit clothed Jesus with power, and he uh, went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I tell you, in the days ahead, God is going to release greater dimensions of his power and authority to churches that are returning to the upper room. This is the day that we live in. Welcome to the day. For some, this is a shocking day. And you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know, uh, careful how I say that because I know that many are hurting and many will hurt. But I know that this is the day of the Lord. This is the day where God is intervening in the affairs of his church again. Amen. The Holy Spirit will overpower us. You know, uh, Anything can happen if the Holy Spirit overpowers you. And the Holy Spirit will connect you to the God in heaven. Amen. Sometimes our connection is very academic. You know, very, uh, you know, uh, like, like lousy internet can be in and out. Uh, but God wants us to be connected. You know, he wants us to make the connection. And the way that it happens is the Spirit of God that is on the inside of me begins to cry out, Abba, Father, there's something on the inside of me that wants to know my heavenly Father. And the Spirit on the inside makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. This is Romans chapter 8. This is the amazing, amazing, uh, you know, uh, grace that comes on the new creation, a man or a woman who's really given to God. This morning, I want to ask you, is your relationship with the Holy Spirit real? I tell you what, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit shapes us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. 
the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. Amen. He is the one that is taking charge on the earth. And we need to be one with the Holy Spirit. It's not like he's here when I need him. He is here all the time. The scripture says he will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the God of heaven that has come down to dwell on the inside of you. Do you know this? That the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. What a powerful statement that is. Amen. You are somebody. You are his son. You're his daughter. And uh, it's just my privilege to be able to bring the word to you like this this morning. Where are we up to? Point number, number four this morning. We need a clear relationship of the church and an accurate relationship with it. Amen. I tell you what, this is incredible. You know, some people don't understand why I talk about the church the way that I do. You know, uh, I'll tell you why I do, because I have a revelation of the church. I read earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, 25, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. Well, if this isn't the day, and there are a lot of people out there across the nations that have talked themselves into believing that you don't have to gather together. Well, God has got a purpose to gather people together. And during in this time, God is gathering his people back to the house because he has a wonderful purpose ahead for the church. So number one, we need a revelation of the ongoing of Christ through the church. Amen? Now Christ is in heaven, but the Spirit of Christ is on the inside of us, and he is working through the church, in the church. God is doing something. The Scripture says in Ephesians 3.20, his exceedingly great power is working toward us. You know, it's exceedingly great power. You know, it is far above what we could ask or think. To him be glory in the church. The glory of God is going to be manifested in the church, through the church. So let everybody, you know, just adjust their, uh, you know, their personal preference to line up with the word of God and don't forsake the gathering together because God wants you on his team in this generation. Individuals will achieve very little, but there is a corporate grace and there is a corporate anointing that is coming on the church that is going to cause it to break through right across, right across sale, right across the city, right across the nation and even the nations because what God is doing here, he's doing in South Africa. He's doing it in Manchester. He's doing it in Malaysia. He is doing it in Kingsway. He's doing it in Newburgh. He's doing it in Moi. He's doing it in Nari Warren. He's doing it in the city. You know, and it's beginning to push out. The move of God is beginning to push out. I'll tell you why. Because the unstoppable Christ, the incontaminated, you, you can't contaminate it. You can't stop it. You can't cause it to be corrupt, corrupted. It is incorruptible seed that is growing on the inside and manifesting in and through the church. And this is the church of the living God. 
We need in this day a clear revelation of the church and an accurate revelation in it. This is the ongoing of work of Christ in and through the church. The church will finish the work that Jesus began. What Jesus began in his geography 2,000 uh, years ago, we are finishing in our geography in this time. Jesus said, the things that I do, greater things will you do, because I go to the Father. Imagine that. You know, God is going to do some great things in the nations in this hour. What Jesus began, Jesus uh, started to shut down the devil, started to destroy the work of the evil one. But now God is raising up a finishing generation and that generation is going to totally annihilate demonic power and shut down principalities throughout the nations. The book of... Gen uh, you know, we might be going through a battle now, a struggle now. We might have limitations and restrictions, but God is doing something in and through the church. The church of the living God will become the manifestation of the kingdom of God on the earth. How's that? The church of the living God will become the manifestation of the kingdom of God on the earth. Do you know what? Politics is not working. Government is failing. Marriages are crashing. You know, as people have walked away and drifted from the foundations, the cracks are showing. But God is raising up his church, which is built on the sure foundation. You know, it's built on the ministry of the apostles and prophets. It's built on the apostles' doctrine and the prophetic word. The word is that proceeding from heaven to build the church. But the chief cornerstone is the person Jesus Christ and the more that we head in this direction it's like the local church that is genuinely apprehending the spirit of God is going to morph together there's going to be a coming together there's going to be a rattling of the bones in the region and the nation and those that are called by God and set apart by God are going to come together this is like God's last day's army on the earth amen but you know, this morning, this is the challenge for us is to come back and to revisit and to rebuild the foundations of our own life. Where do I start? Well, the first thing is, is that we need to come back and have a relationship with the written word every day, every morning, every night. We need to come back and abide in his word so that we can become true disciples. And number two, we need to revisit that upper room and ask him for that revelation of the Christ. Jesus said, who do you say that I am, Peter? Who do men say that I am? Well, some say Jeremiah or, you know, Elijah or one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Jesus said, you are the Christ. You are the Son. You are the living God. This morning you need to know him. Amen. I've just got a prophetic word this morning. I really just believe that there's something stirring on the inside of me and I wanted to announce this because I believe that right now in, in uh, this time of shutdown that God is doing something amazing. I believe this and I say this prophetically that God is going to cause a new generation to rise. You know, this is generation rising in this city and in this region, but not only here. 
God is using different methods, different leaders, different styles of leadership, but God is raising up a very special leader in the day that's able to raise the generation. There is a generation that is going to begin to become manifest on the earth that really are going to be like the Daniels and the Josephs of this time. They are an extraordinary company of breakthrough believers that have been prepared in the background. This generation is going to begin to break out. Even in this house, even in this city, even in this region, they are an extraordinary company of believers. And those that are looking on will know, you know, that they, like, like uh, Peter and uh, James and John, the early disciples, they knew that they had been with Jesus. These are an extraordinary company of breakthrough believers that have been prepared in the background. Like Joseph, they are saying no to the manipulation and the deceit and the seductiveness and even the perversity of this generation. Like Joseph, this generation will have the grace to say no. I want to say to you today that it is okay to say no. It is okay not to bow. It is okay to stand up and to stand on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe right now that God is going to release a boldness into his church and a boldness into his sons and daughters. There's going to be a stiffening of the back. There is going to be a straightening of the shoulders and a leveling of the eyes because God is bringing stature into this generation. Like Daniel, they are not enticed by the delicacies of Babylon and the shifting sands of the day. They are able to overcome the philosophies and discern the humanism to discern the truth. God is raising up this generation that are uncontaminated by the humanism, by the lies, by the philosophies of the day. This generation has a prophetic dimension and the spirit of wisdom, revelation and understanding in the knowledge of him. Even though some of these are very young, like, like 10, 12, 14, they're able to tap into the spirit and they're able to pick up the prophetic dimension and they will have the spirit of wisdom. You will see teenagers with a spirit of wisdom. Normally wisdom is the gift of the old. But in this time, the old will be like fools because the young will carry the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And in the knowledge of him, they will know him. The young ones will have an intimacy with him. This is an incredible time, an incredible season because this company is going to break out. They are a called out company and a generation that are fashioned by the hand of God. This generation is not made by man. This is not a man-centered generation. This generation that God is calling out are made by him, are fashioned by him, are empowered by him and carry his likeness. God is doing something powerful, even now in the shutdown, in the hardness. They, they are a called out company and a generation fashioned by the hand of God. They are beginning, they are the beginning of a counterculture movement. They are able to relate to the culture, but they are able to influence the culture. In fact, they transcend over and above. Do you know what? Daniel and his friends, after they were tested by the leaders of Babylon, their skin looked healthier. Their minds were sharp. They carried the spirit of wisdom and revelation. They had the spirit of excellence. And in this days, this is the generation. 
I speak to the generation in this house to arise and come forth and come together and stand up because God is going to do something new in this season. This is a counterculture movement that have been formed by the grace of God and by the hand of God. These ones have allowed process to shape them. Many have run from process. Many have run away from the house of God. Many have stepped aside and become offended. But these ones have been allowed, have allowed process to shape them. In fact, in their hardest times, they have thanked God for the process. They have thanked God for the difficult times. Apostolic shepherds have helped form them and lead them. And the prophetic word has guided them. These ones that God is raising are a prophetic generation. They have a sharp eye. They have a soft heart. They have an earring here, but they have a sharp mouth because God has made their mouth like a polished sword. These ones have been shaped and formed in the house of God. They are not concerned about prominence. They are not concerned about positions. They are not concerned about preaching in the stadiums. They are not concerned about status or power. They may hold all these positions and fulfill all their functions, but they are not concerned because they are not their own. They are his. They are going to break on the scene at the set time. They are going to break on the scene. I tell you, these ones, this generation that I'm talking about that have been hidden in the quiver of God are being prepared in the background. Jesus came on the earth at the set time and at the set time the baby will come forth. The sons and daughters of God will come forth. What you see on the earth is the, uh, is the birth pangs, it's the groaning, it's the labouring. The whole of creation is laboring, but there is something beginning to come forth. There is a push beginning to happen because God is birthing something new right across the earth, and we are part of it this morning. This is the birthing of the church of the living God, and the, and the quality believers, the quality sons and daughters that are coming forth are over, are beyond, are able are willing, are able to push through, are able to find the next level. These are sons and daughters of God. I tell you, you're going to see it begin to happen. You're going to see some amazing things happen in this time ahead. They're about ready to break on the scene at the, at the set time. And Romans 8, Romans 8 talks about them. You know, the, the whole of the earth is waiting for them. The whole of the earth is crying out. The whole of the earth is groaning. Some people are groaning for a change of government. They want socialism. They want communism. They want this. They want that. They want money. You know, they want what they want. But there is really, you know, it's masking the pain and the hurt because there is a groaning on the inside that says, I want the government of God. And this generation will carry in its hand and speak out of its mouth the government of God. They will execute the word of God and the will of God in their generation because they have been called for such a time as this. Amen. At the set time, they will be called from the prison of confinement to the palace. At the set time, God will call them from the sheepfold to shepherd his most precious possession, his people. Amen. God is going to surprise you who he plucks out. You know, when Samuel came, to Jesse's house. 
He said, he went through all the sons, but he said, surely there's one more. Well, there's David in the sheepfold. And you know, David is down there. He's, he's not even recognized yet. But he said, he is the one. And that day, Samuel anointed him to be the king, to be the leader. Do you know what God's going to bring them from the sheepfolds? He's going to bring them from the prison to the palace. I tell you, God is doing his thing and we will know it's his thing because this is not a work that could be done uh, by man. Right now, God is testing many by fire. Many feel like they are in the fire, like Daniel and his friends in the furnace. But right now, God is producing a purity in this generation for everything that they are going through. I want to declare this and say this, that a Romans 8 company is about to become manifested, to become known and to become recognised on the earth. I'll say it again. A Romans 8 company is about to become manifested, to become known and become recognised on the earth. Don't curse the process. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you. You're about ready to enter into the set time. The time set by God before the foundations of the earth. These ones have allowed the foundations to be well built. They are strong in my grace. And they have already become unstoppable. Not because of their own strength, but because of mine, says the Lord. And I believe right now that the Lord is saying, arise that there is a grace coming that is going to cause these ones to arise. You know, it's amazing. There is a quickening anointing on this generation. Some of them will be like in prison one day, broken one day, marriage is broken one day, and God is going to quickly bring them into the palace. He's going to quickly bring them to the throne. He's going to quickly bring them to that place where he's going to use them in this day. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for what you're about ready to do. Father, my expectation is great. You know, I know that in the past, the enemy, our adversary, has tried to cut off our expectation. He's tried, but he has failed. And now it is the day of the church of the living God. It is the day for those that have allowed God to shape them and form them. Oh God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, you might be looking on and, and uh, you know, have been watching these uh, online services for the last couple of months. And, and uh, you know, uh, maybe this is really time for you this morning just to, uh, you know, open your heart to him and just begin to really receive him into your life. And, you know, I want to say to you this morning that wherever you are, and whatever situation you're in, this could be your time. Do you know what? There was a son who, uh, who was raised in the house, but he asked for his inheritance. And uh, he, he, he went and did his own thing. And he found himself in the pigsty. But the scripture says there he came to his senses and he began to return. And his father was uh, waiting for him and watching. And I really believe like that this morning, you are being called back into the plans and purposes of God. And I really believe that God is going to use the experience that you've been through to do what he wants through you in this generation. If you want to reconnect your heart this morning, I just really encourage you to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer this morning. 
asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will follow you wholeheartedly all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, I really want to thank you for being with us this morning. And I really pray that this morning is the beginning of a new era in your life. And, uh, you know, if you will really respond to God the right way, then you can be part of God's restoration plan and God's rebuilding effort in this generation. I'd like to invite you just to uh, find us on the website to make contact with us and uh, we can really help you get started. If you're a long way from here, we can connect you with a church somewhere in the nation just like this. God bless you and have a wonderful day.